sometimes in church, we start using words to try to be helpful, to help describe something or uh, to have a certain meaning or significance. And then those words catch on. They get embedded into our language, our kind of church vocabulary increases. And then they just always get used. They become just part of our lingo, Christianese. Words that Christians say to each other, um, they sort of know what it means. It's like our own secret code, our own secret language. It's really helpful over time to keep thinking back about the words we use, choosing them carefully, thinking about where they came from, and keeping things simple rather than letting things turn into kind of like a secret code, secret language for Christians. Jesus was not about that. Jesus talked about seeds and about birds and about mountains and about water. Uh, He used the most accessible um, descriptive language possible for people to understand what he was talking about instead of having this very elaborate, uh, complex religious vocabulary. So I want to do a little deep dive into one of the words that we use in church And it's usually formed in the form of a question, uh, have you been discipled? Have you been discipled? And so I think by that, we're trying to ask someone like, have you gone through some sort of like training um, in your faith? And that's a fair question. But the word discipled, have you been discipled or are you discipling someone, uh, is not in the Bible. The word disciple is. It's used throughout the New Testament. It's the word Jesus used, come and be my disciples. If anyone wants to be my disciples, he must believe that I am the Son of God. He, he must obey what I command him. Like He must take up his cross and follow me, be my disciples. He appointed 12 disciples. So this disciple word is one that Jesus used, but in his original vocabulary, as he was using it, it just meant followers, students. So if we want to put discipleship to the side as kind of like a church word and just say students, we're looking to make apprentices of Jesus. We're looking to help make students of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And well, how do we define that? What does it mean? What do you have to believe? What do you have to do? What relationship do you have to have with him and with God to be a follower? But the place where this word gets even stranger Not just that it's a kind of a carryover from Greek vocabulary into English, you know, instead of just saying making adherents or making students or making followers of Christ, is we talk about it as a verb. Have you been discipled? Are you being discipled? But this is sort of the same thing as like talking to a plumber and said, have you been plumbered? Or talking to a carpenter and saying, have you been carpentered? Or talking to a mom and saying, have you been mommed? Talking to a teacher, they have been teachered. Like we're using the word that just defines their role, their their job, as if that's what it means to become that. There's a whole process involved in becoming a teacher, becoming a parent, becoming a plumber. And when we just treat it as if it's an either-or, in or out sort of thing, and we don't recognize it's a whole process, then I think that the word gets weird. <laughs> and so We know that being a disciple just means being a follower of Jesus. But you would never ask someone if you've been followered. What you'd want to know is, what made you a disciple? Have you fully become 
a disciple. And just like with mom, there's a period where you're, you're beginning to be a parent, the baby's conceived and it's growing, and then you give birth and you've become a parent. But there's this process that turns you into the thing that you are. Same thing with plumber. You don't want someone who doesn't have any education or training or experience coming in and fixing and working on your pipes because they're not going to know what they're doing. So what is the training that made you into this? Have you fully become what you wanted to be and what you were training to be? Carpenters, lawyers, we don't want people serving us or hiring someone to do something that they haven't begun at all or that they haven't finished learning. But we wouldn't ask them, are you lawyered, are you plumbered? We would say, like, how did you become a plumber? I would love for us to ask that of ourselves this morning and think about what it means to become a disciple. So we use the words, have you been discipled? And kind of like, what was that process like for you? We use the term discipleship, like that process, that training ground. But how far does that go? Like discipleship, is that a lifelong thing? Is that a short thing? Are there any minimum requirements to say I've become a disciple? Or do you have to wait till like all the way through your entire life and and you see God face to face, you die, you, you say, okay, now I've been discipled, I've become a follower? Well, Jesus had people that just seemed like they were instantly following him. So then is there no requirement? Is there no training period for a Christian? These are the thoughts I'd like to think about. And I'd like to specifically think about how discipleship relates to the missional church. Because I think if we're looking to have a missional sort of mindset as a church and and distribute the, the authority and the ministry of the church to each of our missional communities instead of having a more traditional church structure that many of us grew up in where we're consolidating the authority and the leadership in a centralized location and we all come to it. We're trying to distribute that. What that means is that missional communities, it's your job to make disciples. It's not the pastor's job or the elder's job or a deacon or or a centralized leadership. Missional communities, your job is to go and make disciples. Well, how do you do that? Have you been discipled? Have you gone through that training? What is the training? So I'd like to just ask that question. So I'm going to have you do is just pause this video or this podcast if you're listening. Just pause it right here and go around the room that you're in, whether it's with just with your family or whether it's with your missional community. And ask each person there, how do they conceive of the process of becoming a disciple? What is discipleship? And have each of them been discipled? Let's just stop it there. Go around, ask that question. And then we're going to ask that question of Jesus. How does he define it? What does it look like? Because if we don't know what it means to be a disciple, if we're not sure if we are a disciple, if we don't know how to go and make a disciple, what does that process even look like? If we don't know how to do that within a missional environment, then we're not going to make disciples. And yet Jesus said, go and make disciples. Help people find Jesus and come to follow him and love him and put their heart and their soul in his trust. Um, We need to know what it is. And so we're going to try to redefine this word, not just let it become a churchy word. And let's start by asking each of us just the personal kind of input. It can look very different for each of us going around. What does discipleship look like to you? What did it mean as you were growing up or entering into the faith? And do you feel that you have been discipled?
Now, I don't know what all answers you came up with, what your experiences have been with discipleship. If you'd say, no, I've never been discipled. Uh, or you'd say, oh, yeah, I went, went partially through a discipleship course, but I never finished. Or if you'd say, discipleship is lifelong. However we define it, though, I want us to be careful of avoiding the two opposite extremes, which I think either of which are really going to hinder our effectiveness as believers in both being disciples and making disciples. The one mistake is to call making a disciple uh, such a simple process that all that's required is conversion. So do you believe in Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he died for our sins and rose from the dead, that he gives us his Holy Spirit to live for him in this life, and that he will give us eternal life after we die. Like some people just feel like conversion is making a disciple. And in the very basic sense, I guess it is because you have faith there. And the faith is what saves us, our faith. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, the way Romans 10 says. But that doesn't necessarily define the discipleship part of it. Like how do you make a disciple? And so those of us who just simplify it so much, did you believe, do you believe, you end up with some very immature Christians living their lives not actually knowing what Jesus said, not actually knowing how to live it out for him, and therefore being ineffective and unproductive. This is what 2 Peter 1 talks about. And so we have to keep adding to that kernel of faith. That kernel of faith is going to grow into an amazing thing in our lives. We need to sort of water it and feed it and nurture it and build upon it. So the one extreme is to say that discipleship is simply just if someone believes. Yes, but that's not actually the full definition that Jesus gave. The opposite extreme is to say that discipleship requires someone with, you know, a master's degree or a Bible school education or a PhD, a doctorate, an MDiv, someone who's gone to seminary who can explain to us the deeper truths of the word so that we can understand everything the Bible has to say, so we can understand the theological scope of scripture and how, you know, the ordo salutis relates to regeneration as opposed to justification and how we can wrestle with the, the differences between Calvinism and Arminianism, or how we look at atonement theories and whether we believe that Jesus ransomed us when he was on the cross, or whether it was a substitutionary death on the cross, or whether he was Christus Victor and all the theories of atonement. And we make it so complicated that unless you have a seminary education, and even then, you need to go on to read and learn and study everything you could ever learn to feel like you can grasp all of this deep diving into God's truth. We feel like we have to go to that extent to feel like we've been discipled. Or that, no, it's just a really simple thing. If you believe, you're done. Well, in this case, you might have people that actually aren't saved because they just believed, yeah, Jesus is a good person, or Jesus is the Son of God, I believe in him, I want to go to heaven. But Jesus said, you'll know that they are my followers by their fruit. So how we live after that is the working out of our salvation. And so making it too simple then means that we don't actually know how it's going to turn out in someone's life. What will their faith show? It's the growing and the using of faith that that is the proof that that statement 
was true. A lot of people say, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, I'm going to be this, you know, New Year's resolution kind of style. But the proof in the pudding is that it wasn't actually genuine and it didn't last. So we may say we believe in Jesus, but unless we live it out, we don't know if it's lasting or if it's true. So that's not satisfactory, and neither is this, because this means that the only way anybody could ever get discipled is if they come and they meet with a pastor or with an elder or with a a seminary graduate and, you know, a theologian and, and study for a few years to glean everything they can from them. Well, that's not how Jesus handled it, and neither is this. Jesus used fishermen and tax collectors and just the commonest of common folk to become his followers. And he told them, go and make disciples. So find others who will follow me. We're supposed to be pointing people back to Jesus. And so Jesus doesn't have either the most basic or the most complex definition of what it means to be a follower. His has three simple little elements to it. And I'd like to hear it from his own words and read it to you. Like I said, the word being discipled, the word have you been discipled, that, that form of like turning the word disciple into a verb um, is never how it's used in scripture. However, there is one place where a verb is attached to the word disciple. And it's when Jesus sends out in the Great Commission, sends out his disciples to spread the gospel, to tell people about him. And he says, go and make disciples. So the word there is make, train, uh, develop, um, educate, equip, experientially train people to be my disciples, make disciples. And so right there, Jesus kind of bridges the gap between, well, are you a disciple? Yes, but how is one made? And if we think all it takes to make a disciple is just say a prayer one time, then we're not actually following what Jesus said, who's like, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you love me, you will obey what I have commanded you. And so in Matthew 28, starting with uh, verse 16, I'd like to read Jesus' definition and just stop at a couple of points to say, are we disciples? Have we been made a disciple? And what would it take for you to make disciples? Because if we're setting ourselves this standard that you have to have all this education, then we're making it inaccessible for anyone besides the most educated of us to make disciples. And that's not how Jesus did it. That's not how Jesus did it. His definition was really profound, simple, but complex. Matthew 28, 16 said, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So make disciples. But he starts by saying, all authority has been given to me. And that's where a disciple needs to start. That's kind of conversion. Do we believe that Jesus has all the authority of God? Because that's what he said. 
know, there are many wise people in the world, and in history, there have been many wise people. You can look to even founders of other religions, whether it's a, a Buddha or whether it's a, a Muhammad, or even go back to some Greek philosophers and say, there's been a lot of wise people. But did any of them say, all the authority of God rests on me? And I just rose from the dead to pay for your sins. No one else claimed to be God in human form. No one else claimed to be forgiveness of sins in themselves for the world. So you cannot be a disciple if we don't say all the authority of God rests on Jesus. That's the beginning of it. And that's what it was for him. So he states his claim to commission them. I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. All this authority has been given to me. So therefore, if you believe that, then go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. The only verb in that sentence, what he says what to do is make disciples. Make disciples. So that's the thing that's being called to happen. That's the verb. The other three things, go, baptize, and teach, those are all participles, you know, I-N-G kind of words. So really, if we were to kind of flip this around and reorient it in terms of the priorities of what Jesus is saying in the statement, he says, make disciples, develop people into followers of me, help people to follow me by going, baptizing, and teaching. The going is important because we can't help anyone to follow Jesus if we're just sitting at home or even just sitting in our missional communities, or sitting in a church sanctuary. That's not where we're going to meet people who are looking for Jesus to step into their lives and help them. So the going is essential. Baptizing. Baptizing, why do we use water baptism? Why do we do? Because Jesus did. He said, do it this way. So he chose that ritual. We use it just out of obedience. Could he have picked a million other things? Maybe, but he didn't. So we follow what he, you can't be a disciple without believing that he's got all the authority of God, without being baptized, and without going out and making more disciples through baptism and through teaching. So there's this teaching element. He recognizes, don't just go and baptize someone and be done. Baptize them and then teach them to observe or to obey everything that I have commanded you. So right there, I think that's the making part. Teaching someone to obey everything that Jesus commanded. So if we're to look at his simple definition, it requires us to move, to go out and to talk to people. It requires us and then anyone who we talk to to recognize the authority of God in Jesus. He's not just a man. He's more than that requires us to encourage people to believe in the authority of God and to be baptized, but then also to learn everything that he taught. So what we have is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have four ancient biographical accounts collected from the people that were eyewitnesses to Jesus or written by someone who themselves was an eyewitness to what Jesus did. The very last couple of verses of the Gospel of John says, you know, if everything that Jesus said or did was written down, I don't think all the books in the world could contain it. So we know there's a lot of things that Jesus taught and said, a lot of miracles he did that we don't have recorded. 
But the key ones, the core ones, the ones that we need to know to be able to follow him, the ones that the disciples wrote down, because guess what? He commissioned them to go and teach everything that he had commanded. So they wrote it down. They didn't want to forget what Jesus taught them, and they wanted to be able to faithfully pass it on. And so they wrote it down. That's why we have these things. So I think from Jesus' own mouth, the definition of what does it mean to become a disciple is to believe he's got the authority of God, to be baptized, and then to read everything that he said and try to obey it, try to put it into practice. So let's take that basic definition now, and let me turn it back to your groups with whoever you're with. Pause the video again right here and say, If the basic definition of a disciple, if I know I've been discipled, I have become a disciple, requires me to believe that Jesus has all the authority of God, requires me to be baptized, and says that I've read everything that he's said and tried to put it into practice, are you a disciple? Are you going baptizing, teaching? Are you making disciples? Are you a discipleship by Jesus' Are you a disciple by Jesus' own definition? And it doesn't mean you need to know everything in the whole Bible, but have you read everything that we have that Jesus said? And have you tried to do it? That's Jesus' definition of what it means to be a disciple. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've read a little bit here. Maybe you've read some, but haven't actually tried to apply it, haven't gone that next step. Maybe you've never been baptized Maybe you haven't taken the first step. Maybe you're not sure that Jesus has all the authority of God. And so then baptism and following everything he said, like that doesn't really, you don't feel inspired to do that because you're not quite sure what you think about him. Maybe you're not going to others because you're not sure what you think about him. Or maybe you're not going to others because you haven't read everything that he said and, and learned it from alongside someone else. And you can just read everything that he said on your own. But church and faith is meant to be a partnership, disciples together, bands of disciples, family. Church is, is a, an assembly. That's what ecclesia means, the assembly of the believers, the family, the body, that sort of thing. So it's meant to be done together. Have you done that? Have you done that with others? Let's pause here for just for a second and go around the circle. We, we first asked in our first break kind of what do we think the definition of a discipleship is. Being discipled. Now we've heard Jesus' basic definition of what it means to be discipled. So let's stop and say, has that been our experience? Have we been discipled the way Jesus defines it? Okay, as we pull all these thoughts together here and kind of need to draw our conclusions based on what we've discussed so far, we need to make it super, super practical. And I think the beauty of this practical concept right here is that it's going to be challenging to those of us who are too far this way, and it's going to be a relief to those of us who are too far this way. The practical end result of this definition of discipleship is that what it means to be a disciple is believe, baptize, and then read the Gospels together and put them into practice. And hopefully you've done this. But if you haven't, the question is, how will you? 
Who will you read the Gospels with? Maybe read just one Gospel. Each of the Gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, has a different take. Matthew's very concerned with uh, looking at the Jewish history and how the whole Old Testament, all the fulfilled prophecies in Christ. Mark's very concerned with uh, looking at Jesus as the suffering servant. The, the Gospel of Luke and then following into Acts, those two books are written by the same authors, kind of like Luke 1 and Luke 2. Very concerned with what was going on in the, the Roman culture and the Greek culture, the, the context of Jesus in history, how it aligns with the calendars of the world and the empires of that day. And so you can, you can focus on that. The Gospel of John has more of the words of Christ than any of the others. And so if you want to know everything that Jesus said, you need to read all four Gospels because they overlap in a lot of ways. And then other times there's segments and moments from Jesus' life and teaching that are only found in one or the others of those various biographies written about him, those eyewitness accounts. But whether you only have time to read one Gospel account of Jesus' life or whether you've got time with someone to read all four of them right in a row, that's what it will take for you to say, I know what Jesus taught and I'm doing my best to put it into practice. If you've never done that, then you've not been made a disciple in the way that Jesus defined it. You may have become a disciple, but you've not been made into a disciple. You can say, I know what Jesus taught and I'm working to obey it. Any of us feel like we're not sure what he said? I haven't really read all that. If you haven't, complete what you have begun. He said a prayer of faith, putting your, your life in God's hands through Christ. Maybe you were baptized. Now read the Gospels and live them out. Just do them today. Be biblical. Live biblically. Imitate Christ. Do it in your own way, in your own time, in your life. So who will you read the Gospels with? When will you read? Will you get together at a coffee shop once a week with a friend and just read together. Maybe in your missional communities, they'll say, well, let's read a gospel together and just talk about it as we go. Who has questions? Did anyone learn anything about this? Someone was curious about this? And, and gather your thoughts, teach one another to obey everything that Christ commanded you. Are you a parent? Are you a grandparent? Do you want to disciple your kids or grandkids? Do you want them to grow up to love the Lord? Well, then at some point they need to recognize Jesus has the authority, the power of God. No one could have done the things he did unless he had God's power and authority. So Jesus must be the Messiah, the Son of God that was promised. If our children get to that point, that's awesome. They've begun this initiation into discipleship. Maybe they even become, quote-unquote, a disciple by believing and then being baptized to, to seal their commitment to the Lord. Saying, God, I pledge you my life. I am yours. But don't be unkind and leave them in that state where they're saying they're going to follow God, but don't actually know what God asks of them. What did Jesus say? Our children need to know that. When are we reading through the Gospels together with our kids? When are you going to read? What day of the week? What time of the day? Will it be on the way home from school? Will it be on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening? Will it be, you know, rides to or from from school, rides to or from soccer practice, hockey practice? Will you listen to the Bible on the radio? May we put our phones down and listen to the Bible together and talk about it? Like, did you get that? Did you hear that? Or isn't that cool? Or I remember when something happened, that is actually really the way it works. I have experienced that too. How will you do it? 
And when you talk with your neighbors and you, you, you sense that someone has some kind of like a spiritual hunger, they want to know more about God, they want to connect, what will you say? Go to church? Go to a service? Will you say, oh yeah, you really should do discipleship with my pastor or with someone who does discipleship in our church or with this elder or deacon or someone who's, or will you just say, let's get together and read the Bible? And not just the whole thing, all 66 books and with all of this extra, but if you want to help them know everything that Jesus said, just read what Jesus said. You know, there's certain Bibles that have the words of Christ in red, red letter Bibles. And I think it's uh, kind of special to just look at that. It's not necessary, but it's sort of like a nice addition to some Bibles just to really have it stand, like jump off the page, as it were. Um, read the red letters. Read the words of Christ and then do them. Just live them out. Those are the things we're supposed to be applying to our lives. Now, when you, you say this definition of discipleship, it's like, oh, okay, well, then if I met someone and led them to Christ, then it's not enough for me to just get them to say a prayer. I need to then ask them, well, you want to be baptized? And then ask them, can we get together and read all the teachings of Christ? See, it, it kind of is a challenge for those of us that just want to have a five-minute conversation with someone and be like, oh, I'm done. That's not what God does with us. He works for, with us for our whole lives. And that's not how we should view making disciples. We're not just making converts. We're making disciples, making followers. And a follower is someone who learns. And just like with plumber or carpenter or mom, you learn as you go. But there's a basic element of knowledge. If you don't know how to work the tools as a plumber, if you don't know the basics of plumbing, you can't begin. And with parents, like if you don't know how to feed your child or change them or the basics, the child won't survive. You can't even begin. But once you get that, there's so much more we can learn. And that's where the seminary, that's where the extra books come in valuable. That's where you go deeper in things. But if we make the biggest definition of discipleship, the core of it, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And we're making it inaccessible for all of us to feel like we could go and make disciples. So for those of us who say, I don't know if that definition, by that definition, if I've been discipled, please, please complete your training with the Lord. Add to your faith the public profession of baptism and add to that the studying of everything that Jesus said. I mean, those four gospels, they're not that long. You know, a few pages, a few chapters and in that, the power of God to reveal to you, to enlighten your mind, to open your eyes to say, oh, that's how God wants to connect with me. That's how much he loves me. Oh, that's what Christ meant. Oh, that's how I'm to live. Oh, that's how I'm to love my neighbor. Oh, that's how I'm to speak. Oh, that's how I'm to serve. Just study at the feet of Jesus by literally reading the words that were recorded that he said. So I hand this to you as a definition of discipleship and ask that practically speaking, you kind of take whatever remaining time you have together and just ask each other, how are we going to make disciples? Are we making disciples? Are we reading the gospels together with our teens, with our kids, with our spouse, spouses? Do you read the Bible together? Do you talk about it together? Do you talk about a word of Christ and say, how does this apply to this situation? Well, that's what discipleship is. That's what being disciple, making a disciple is all about. It's this practical application, using the tools that you've been given and gaining skill and proficiency in knowing how to implement them. So I pray that God will bless you with opportunities to make disciples of all sorts of peoples, of all sorts of nations, and that you will be confirmed 
in your faith, saying, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, all of God's authority and power is found in Christ alone. And that you would take that step of baptism and that you would then be a goer. That you would not stay where you are, stay in your place and hope that God just sends you people or people happen to bump into you, but that you go out into the world. And whether it's at work or whether it's at school, whether it's across the fence in the backyard, whether it's at the coffee shop, whether it's taking a walk at the local park, walking your dog around the block, that you will just have your eyes open to see people asking spiritual questions and say, actually, Jesus had a lot to say about that. That's where I go from my truth. You should try it. Let's read some together. Would you be interested in reading? That you'd listen for people out there in all those places that say, my heart is just broken right now. And you say, oh, Jesus is a comforter. That's where I go to for my comfort. Would you like to read together? Read some of what he said? Can we get together again maybe tomorrow or next week and let's just read Jesus together? Because in doing so, we're not setting ourselves up as the resource and the authority to fix other people's lives. Because who are we? We're just people. We know Christ. We want to point people to Christ. And if we make discipleship being about us learning so that we have the answers so that we can help other people, then to others we become the answer man. We become the resource instead of saying, why don't we sit and read what Jesus said? Because you need to actually connect with Jesus. Just like I need to connect with Jesus. And we can both learn at the feet of the Savior. So may you be blessed with conversations that you just recognize, oh, here's someone who is struggling with guilt and shame and just needs to understand forgiveness. Here's someone who's struggling with pain and loss and just needs comfort. Here's someone who's struggling with you know, spiritual hunger and just can't seem to satisfy it. Here's someone who's caught up in money and power and uh, opinions and reputation, and they need to be set free from that to know that they're loved by God and that those things are, are empty pursuits. Uh, may you recognize the opportunities and may you not invite people to follow you, but may you invite people to sit with you and learn to obey everything that Jesus has said to us. May we truly be disciples and make disciples this week.